Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Last week, if you were here last week, we talked about Nehemiah the Builder. And remember, we talked about the fact that each and every one of us are called to be builders. And, and that within us is this desire um, to build. That's what, that's what you can't help it. Whether it's, 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 it's the way in which we were created. That's why um, parents, um, you know, we don't want to just have kids. We want to raise kids. That's, you know, you don't want to just do business as a business person. You want to build a business. Um, and we talked about Nehemiah and the fact that Nehemiah was a builder. Um, and, and we talked about the idea that Nehemiah had to become. Remember, we talked about that word becoming. We talked about how in order to build, which we all get excited about doing, um, but in order for us to build, building something we get excited about, building something we want to do, building something exciting. You want to build your life, don't you? You're building into your life if you're a single person, good character and, and building into your life patterns that are going to establish you know, a level of, of discipline and consistency for your life that sets you up. If you're, if you're here, you, you want to build. And we talked about that, but then we identified that in order for us to build, um, there's something that God wants us to become first before we build. And... Um, and, and we talked about that a little bit, how that's where the challenge lies, doesn't it? It's, it's the becoming. It's, it's, we all want to do something great, but when we have to face with the reality that in order for God to do something through me, He has to first do something in me. And that's where the wrestle is. I know for me, that's where the wrestle is. It's the becoming stuff. The building I get, I get pumped about. I like that. It's the becoming that sucks. Because the becoming is what's dealing with all the stuff that I don't want to deal with. And so um, Nehemiah, if, if you look in, the, in, in Nehemiah chapter 1 um, and verse 2 to 4, I want, I want us to just put that verse up on the screen. Thank you, Q. Love you, bro. Um, and I want to just look at this verse real quick because I'm, I'm, it, it gives us a little bit of insight into the person. We're going to pick up from where we left off. Into the person that Nehemiah had to become. In order to do something great, he had to become something. And these first few verses give us a little bit of a glimpse into this becoming process, if you like. That you will see... This, this becoming that happens in Nehemiah essentially establishes in him a foundation that he will then go to build upon. And this is what we see in these verses. And it says, just real quickly, it says that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to me from Judah and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and who had survived the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. So Nehemiah is asking you know, he says, hey, bro, like, you know, how is everything going back home? And then go to the next verse. He says that, and they said to him, the survivors who are left 
from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is all broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Next verse. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before God of heaven. You know what this gives me um, an indicator into what I think is the first step to us becoming what God has called us to be. And it starts first with being somebody that knows what it is to be broken. Broken. So I've got a little illustration for you here. What it is to be broken becomes the, the first block in our life in order for us to build our life, in order for us to become what God has called us to be, it has to first start from a place of brokenness. Nehemiah was a blessed man. Nehemiah had a position. They were oppressed people and he had connection with the king who was an ungodly king. You've got to understand this, this was a position of notoriety. This wasn't heard of. The, the Jewish people were not, they, 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 they didn't roll that high up. He wasn't, you know, Nehemiah was connected. He was connected to the king. He had the king's ear. They, you know, they, they could talk a little bit. He had a corner office with windows. He had a parking space with his name on it. He had a great insurance package, a little 401k set up. Things looked nice. Things were going good. But when Nehemiah was presented with a problem within the kingdom, he wasn't so blessed that he couldn't still be broken. That when Nehemiah heard it, all of a sudden, he begins to weep. Before God, because his heart is for the things of God. This is an important block for us to begin with when it comes to our lives, that we must be people that know what it is to live every single day broken. Broken. It goes so, it's so counterculture, isn't it? Because I don't want to live every day broken. I want to live every day all together. But understand that Scripture tells us that Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So it's a light burden, but it's still a burden. And there is a burden that we are called to carry as people. Is, 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 is broken. He was broken. And he also was burdened. Notice that it begins when I did, I, I used to do construction back in the day. Why are you laughing? <laughs> and when I did construction back in the day, and any bricklayer will be able to attest to this, the first brick that you lay is the most important. Because from that first block, you, you establish, we used to call it a string line, where you attach a string to it that sets the direction of every other block that you build. 
So if block one is off, then your building's off. That's why block one of brokenness is so important to our lives. But what happens is in our ambition to build, we build prematurely based on wrong building blocks. And our foundation then is flawed and we stunt the growth that God wants to do in and through our life later on. But if we would understand that the power of God and the presence of God is not attracted to perfect people, but to broken people. That if brokenness, if I can live broken, then I will carry a burden. I'll carry a burden for the things of God. There's nothing more powerful than a person with a burden. A burden, a burden to see God move in your family. A burden to live right. Wouldn't that be a novel idea in this modern day and age? That we would raise up young people and teenagers and young adults that don't see living in purity and living in righteousness and, and walking in character and integrity as something that you have to do. That it's something that it's a burden upon your life that you actually want to do it. That's what Paul said. Paul said that we are, he talked about it as being, I am a slave to righteousness. Paul was saying, I've got a burden to do what's right. This is how we're gonna build what God has called us to build. This is how you're gonna build what God has called you to build. It has to start with brokenness and then it has to then lead to a burden. A burden that says, I wanna build the kingdom of God through my business. A burden that says, I gotta get this breakthrough come hell or high water. I got a burden for my family. I got a burden to walk in the calling of God for my life. I've got a burden to know God more. It's a burden. If you would make a decision, if we would make a decision to firstly, I want you to write this down. Break every day. Break every day. Three quick things. I'll give you this. This is for free. Three things that will help you stay broken. One is prayer. Two is His presence. And three, you're not going to like it, but it's true, is our problems. Prayer. God's presence and our problems. Our problems. The first two are nice, aren't they? Third one sucks. But it's true. If it was not for the problems we encounter, many of us wouldn't break under just prayer and the presence. We've got too much pride. That's where God sometimes will allow certain problems to come our way because if you're like me, sometimes it takes a problem to break me. <laughs> and then and then the problem won't necessarily break us before God. It's all based on how I respond to the problem. And and some of us, some of us, we are so hard-headed. Some of us are it doesn't matter how big the problem is, we just endure and we push through. And instead of getting broken, we just try and get better. 
And we get better at doing life. And we're like, screw the world, I'm gonna get through this. And, and, and society, we, all, we either get better or we just get distracted. And we won't face our problems and we live in this cycle of going around and around and around, wondering why problems never change, wondering why we keep going from one bad situation to the next. Well, could it be that maybe that bad situation has been allowed by God to break you, to rebuild you? But what do we do with the problems? And then that little cycle has to go back to take the problem to prayer, God's presence. And believe it or not, that's how we grow. That's how we grow. He had a, he was broken. He had a burden. And in the story, we know this is true and you can look at it later. But after he gets broken before God, he, he, he says this prayer. It goes for most of chapter one where he prays. And it's in this prayer that you can hear this guy has a burden for it. He's got a burden for it. People with a burden will always build better. People with a burden will build better. They'll build smarter. They'll build strategic. People with a burden, when they get knocked down, they're going to get back up again. Because this thing was not just a good idea. It was a burden. People that, that have a burden to be what God has called them to be, when you take a hit, you will not stay down. You will get back up again because you've got a burden. That's, that's what it is. You can't, you can't help it. You can't apologise for it. You should never. It's a burden. You'll get it in the presence of God like what we just did earlier. Something will get on you. A burden to do what's right. And that'll be the thing, young people, that will strengthen you. Come hell or high water when everybody else is telling you to just just do what everybody else is doing. When you get a burden on you for righteousness, you will be able to stand the test of time and say hell no to every distraction and opposition that comes your way. You get it, you get a burden on you. That's what Nehemiah got. He got this burden upon him. And it didn't matter what came his way, whether it was opposition or opportunity, because sometimes the biggest thing that prevents us from doing what God has called us to do is not just the opposition that we face, but it's the opportunities that look good, but they're not God. And there are many people that are in situations right now because you got distracted by something that looked good, but it wasn't God. That's when you get a burden on you, when you get a burden for the Kingdom of God, that will be all you see is God's Kingdom. And that will be the filter by which you will receive every opportunity, every relationship, every job opportunity, everything that comes through. If it doesn't make it through that filter of is this God for my life, you will discard it real quickly. Why? Because you've got a burden for God's Kingdom. You've got a burden to build something to glorify Him. Because if we don't, if we don't get broken and we don't get a burden, it's possible that we will start to build unto ourselves and not to Him. Just ask the builders of Genesis chapter 11 that built something big called the Tower of Babel. 
But just because you do something that looks big, it doesn't mean that it's being blessed by God. And the problem is in our culture, we worship big. We worship big. You see them. You see someone drive past you on the 405 in that Lamborghini and you call them blessed. Just because it's big, it doesn't mean it's blessed. Just because it's good, it doesn't mean it's God. And I'm not against Lamborghinis. If you have one, text me, let's do lunch and you pick me up. But listen, the point I'm making is often what we will do is we will bypass the building blocks that God has called us to build by in in an attempt because our desire is actually not to build according to His Kingdom, it's to build according to ourselves. And that's where we've got to be careful. We can do it in church. I challenge myself, do I want to build kingdom or do I want to build men? Do I want to build a church name or do I want to build God's kingdom? Last week, when we were talking about building and I get so excited about it. But then every day I've got to break again and I've got to give it all to God. And I've got to say, God, is this what you want us to do? Because if you don't want us to do it, we'll shut the thing down in a second. This is about what you want because I don't want to just build something good. I want to build something that's God. But... But a God building has to begin with a God foundation. That's why David said that in Psalms, he says, it's, a, it's not the sacrifices that impress God, but God is attracted to a, put the verse up, he's attracted to a broken heart and a contrite heart. But broken people will always carry God's burden better because it's the breaking that gets rid of all of us. It's the breaking that gets rid of our fears and our insecurities and our self-absorption and our own ambition and our own agenda. And it's only then that I can really carry the burden of God's kingdom. Because his kingdom is attracted to broken people. This becomes the, the foundation. And so in the story, it keeps going. And, and Nehemiah gets so burdened that, that you, you can see it on him. Physically, you can, the, the guy looks different. If you read the story, he goes before the king. His job was to, you know, he was the bartender. He was mixing the drinks. He was making margaritas for the king. And, and, and he, don't email me. And, and, he, and, he, and he went to the king. And, and the king um, looks at him and he says, what's wrong with you? You look downcast, it says. You look, why are you so sad? Because he's got a burden. And so they start this conversation which is interesting because that role and that position, you, you would not typically talk to the king. I mean, back in the day, you, they, they would kill you. You'd, you'd, you would be, you'd be taken out if you had a conversation with the king or you spoke out of turn. And the king says to him, what's wrong? And 
And then all of a sudden, something comes over Nehemiah and, and this guy just starts to talk and, and he says, well, I'm, I'm upset because my people are in a mess. And then he says to the king, think about this, we, we struggle with the context because we don't understand the, the, the culture of the day. But then he says to the king, listen, bro, I, I'm going to have to take a little time off. I've got to bounce. I'm going to go do some stuff. I need you to send me and let me know. Then it gets even better. Look at the audacity of this guy. He then says to the king, listen, I gotta go build something for the people and I need you to write the check. <laughs> well, I'm paraphrasing, but this is. He says, listen, king, can you write a couple letters, send them to where I'm going because I need you to give the authority to the guys that are there to give me all of the tools and all of the equipment that I'm gonna need. Yeah, you King, I need you to do it. Get the pen and get, that's right, good boy. Now write the letters and send them. Oh, and by the way, read the story. By the way, I need you to get someone to build me a house. This is what he's saying. I mean, it's a bizarre story, but it brings me to the third piece of it that I wanna break down and explain to you real quickly. The third thing that Nehemiah established early on that established three building blocks that would become the foundation that he could build upon. First was he was broken. Second was he was burdened. And the third was he was bold. Now we get excited because we like bold, don't we? Bold feels good. Bold feels better than broken. We should have started with bold. He was burdened, he was broken, he was burdened and he was bold. I made them all start with B just to help you. You're welcome. He was bold. But when we think of bold in, in, in our sort of Western culture, we think of, yeah, don't we? We think of, yeah, I'm going to tell them what to do. I'm going to get mine. That's, it's a different bowl that Scripture talks about. Because Nehemiah, when Nehemiah faced attacks, he would constantly, the way in which he faced those attacks was constantly not to reference who he was and what he was able to do but he constantly referenced who was with him and who had called him. When the attacks came, the boldness that came upon Nehemiah was because he knew who his God was and he knew that his God was with him. And that is the spirit that we need to operate in a boldness that will keep us bold and humble. If brokenness and a burden precedes boldness, you will always remain humble. I want to show you just real, real quick. Remember Gideon in Judges? Gideon, he's, you know what I mean? He was the loser guy that was in the shed and he was doing wheat and angel comes and speaks to him. And, and I, wanted, I want to show you, because this is an interesting story and I want to show you something in Scripture that I want you to catch this because this will help you to be bold. How many of you would like to be bold? No, no one. Awesome. I'm so glad I prepared this sermon for you. <laughs> Gideon is, is 
in, in threshing wheat. And God comes to him. And he does encourage him at the start. He said, listen, Gideon, we're going to do something great. So Gideon gets excited. Essentially, for the sake of our little metaphor, God is saying to Gideon, Gideon, we're going to build something. It's going to be a fight and you're going to be the warrior and you're going to win it and you're going to overcome it. It's going to be awesome. And Gideon says to, uh, he says to God, he comes back to God and he's, he says, I'm, I'm, it's, Gideon says to God, I'm a loser. I'm, I'm a loser. I'm no good. In fact, Gideon doesn't just say I'm a loser. Gideon says to God, God, I appreciate the vision, but my whole family are a bunch of losers. And I'm the biggest loser of my family. This is what he said to him. Now, if we, didn't, if we were not reading the rest of the story, right, and we didn't have the next verse, and we could write what God's response was going to be, I bet all of us would think that in that moment, God encourages Gideon and reminds him who he is. We would think that, wouldn't it? That feels like, it just feels like that's what fits, doesn't it? That's who God is. I was recently on a trip with my son and we were on this, on this trip. We went to, to Kansas City to see Dude Perfect. Now, many of you may not know what that is, but some of you that have children will know. Um, and it's these YouTube guys. So I didn't really know until I went to it. And we're on this trip. And Quinton, you can come. And we're going uh, to start to uh, bring this uh, home. And so we're on this trip. And, and Luke and my son, he's four, about to turn five. And so we're on this trip. And, and we're with some other boys and their dads. And Luca is the youngest of all of the other boys. So he's always sort of trying to you know, keep up. And so we're in the hotel and we're getting dressed and, and he comes out and he puts his T-shirt on and he comes out and he stands there and he's got this T-shirt on and he looks at me and he says, Dad, do you think I look cool? And, and, and then he says this, there he is. Then, then he says this, he says, will the other boys like this T-shirt? Right, so I'm a dad, that's my son. The second I heard that, the se- I grabbed my son and I go stand him up on the bench in the hotel. So he's standing taller than me. And I said, you look at me and you listen to me. You are the coolest kid I have ever seen in my whole entire life. Listen, listen. He's like, really? I said, yes. In fact, the, the, that T-shirt doesn't make you cool. You make the T-shirt cool. And I said, cool people, people that are cool, doesn't matter what they wear. And I got him down. I walked him to the mirror. I said, stand there in front and look at that mirror. Have you not seen how good you look? Look at it. And that was how we had that little moment. Because that's how we parent, don't we? And so when I looked at the story of Gideon, Gideon comes to God and he says, do I look cool in this T-shirt? But I got so disappointed because God... As I see it, God missed a great parenting moment. Gideon says to God, I'm a loser. And do you know what God says to him? God just says to him, I'm going to be with you. If I'm Gideon, at that point I say, "Um, okay, I appreciate that, but that's really not what we were talking about. That's the equivalent 
of a wife on date night coming downstairs to a husband saying, do I look fat? And he says, but you're a nice person. (laughs) Dear Jesus, help the man that says that as an answer to his wife. That's not what she was asking, bro. Give her the compliment or you're gonna miss the window and have a horrible night. But God, listen, look at the story. God missed the window. I said to the Lord, God, why didn't you? Why did you not encourage Gideon? It's a pattern. Moses, the same thing. Moses in the burning bush. Moses comes to the burning bush, sees God, has an encounter with God. God says to Moses, listen, you're gonna set my people free. Moses is like, okay, cool. Um, Big vision. Mind you, add this to it. Moses, this will break your heart. Moses has a stutter. Okay, I read the story again and I thought, dear God, like have a heart for this poor guy. He says to God, um, go, 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 God, I'm, 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 I'm not so, so, so good. I mean, dear Lord, it'll make you cry. I think, I thought, God, I mean, help the brother out. I'm reading the story. I'm like, God, Please say something to encourage this poor beggar. The guy can't even speak. You know what God said to Moses? I'll be with you. You'll be with him? You're not even gonna take away the stutter? Give him a little bit. And I battled with this and I thought, Why doesn't he encourage? We encourage as parents because our goal as parents is to raise our children to be ready to leave us. As depressing as that is for parents, that's the goal. God doesn't raise his children to leave him. He raises his children to need him. So why did God not encourage Gideon? Why did God not encourage Moses? Because He didn't want their boldness to be based upon who they were. He wanted their boldness to be based upon and grounded upon who they knew their God was. And the fact that they had some weaknesses only just further created the opportunity for them to exercise some faith through a stuttering leader to still be able to get up and declare with a boldness and a security that my God is with me. Even though I look like I don't know what I'm doing, don't look too quick because you will miss the fact that I am not alone. God is with me. Because the challenge in the attacks that we face and the way the enemy speaks to us and listen to me, I wanna just get real down to real honest truth. Often what the enemy says to us is partially true. I'll just say it for me and ask yourself, is this the same with you? The enemy comes to us and he says, you're not, very skilled to be doing this. You don't have the money for that vision. 
Everything that the enemy says, the reason why it can be so effective is the enemy. Yes, he's the father of lies. But how many know that sometimes the most powerful, effective lie has an element of truth to it? It's the manipulated truth that entices us to agree with the lie. That's why when the snake came to Eve, he said, did God really say that you should not eat from any tree of the garden? It's a tough question to answer, isn't it? Because he did sort of. When Nehemiah was under attack, the attacks that came at him, they said it to him. They said, you weak, feeble Jews, what do you think you're doing? They were weak. They had lost battles. The enemy comes at you and says, you are unskilled. You are out of your depth. You are ill-equipped. You are in over your head. How many people, let's not raise hands, but I'll raise mine for you. How many people feel like if you actually broke it down, that's probably pretty true. I don't feel skilled enough to do this. I feel ill-equipped and unprepared every Sunday morning. But within our, within our greatest weakness, we find His greatest strength. So the best thing you can do when the enemy comes and lies using partial truth, don't try and meet him on the level that he's coming at you on. Don't try and justify it and say, no, I am good enough. Let him have that. Say, all right, I'll give you that. But you miss the fact, devil, that I understand that this thing is not about me. That we serve a God who has a history of using unprepared, ill-equipped and unskilled people to get his job done so that he gets all the glory and we don't. That's how I can be bold. And that's also how I can be bold and remain humble. Because God's called us to do it. And God is with us. And God is guiding us. And we're just a vessel that he gets to use. And watch this. When this is your foundation, then you... Every day, you know what you do? You just build upon the same foundation. Paul said, I take up my cross daily. So I'm going to get broken again. I'm going to get a burden again. There's a little workout, this one. I'm going to get bold. And then you know what? The next day, I'm going to get broken. I'm going to get burdened. And I'm going to get bold. If you would start, write this down. Tomorrow, you know what I want you to do? Is I want you to start tomorrow. Are you going to write it down? It's very important. Well, it is because it's my sermon. Be nice. Tomorrow, I want you to make a decision that you're going to break every day. Break every day. You're going to get your burden back. Get your burden back. Whatever it was that you gave up on, get the burden back. Whatever, whatever it is that's worn you down, get your burden back. Let the kingdom of God 
become the standard by which you accept things and tolerate things in your life. If, if you don't find it in the kingdom, don't accept it in your life. So if brokenness in your family is something that you've tolerated and lost the burden for the breakthrough in, get the burden back. Say so brokenness is not part of God's kingdom. Let that be the measure. Break every day. Get your burden back. And the third thing is be bold because you know God is with you. Doesn't mean that you're gonna, He's going to fix all of the things that are maybe holding you back. But it does mean that those things will not be able to hold you back anymore because they cannot hold your God back. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.